Today's sermon comes to us from the first chapter of Proverbs. I'll begin reading in verse 20, where we see, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It depends on who you ask as to who said it, usually either Mark Twain or Abraham Lincoln, but the saying holds true. True, uh, Better to be silent and thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. And as you go through Scripture, you come to understand the wisdom of words and the power of words. Now, as Amanda demonstrated to the kids, words have power. Uh, we constantly have to teach, have to teach the children uh, in their lives, teach them as students, teach them as, as they're learning things. Words have power. And the power of words can either bless and build up or it can discourage and destroy. And as we go through Scripture, we begin to understand that God gave us a living Word, and He gave us that living Word for a very good reason. He wants to bless people. He wants to give us the words of Scripture so that He can bless people and so that He can lift up people and so forth. Keep in mind, every word you say, every moment of the day, has power. And we see that both in the scripture reading from St. James and also in the Proverbs of Solomon. Keep in mind that Solomon wrote the passage that, we, that, that I read just recently. And in this case, Solomon personifies wisdom. Wisdom is uh, wisdom in the Hebrew way. It's one of those Hebrew words you got spit on somebody to say, right? Chagmah. Uh, the word means skillful living. And if you live wisely, then you have all it takes to live skillfully and to live rightly before God. You see, in the Hebrew way of seeing things, those who lived skillfully lived in covenant relationship with God. They lived in faith that God would fulfill His promises. And they also lived in such a way that they blessed all the people around them. Now, recently in our Sunday school lessons here for the adults, we finished up the book of Ruth. And in Ruth, you see the results of skillful living. Ruth blessed Naomi. Boaz blessed Ruth and everybody around him. And the people like that serve as the examples of skillful living in Scripture. 
And as Solomon puts it here, wisdom cries aloud in the street, raising her voice in the market, and she's crying out for people to come to her to learn how to live rightly, to speak justly, and to bring blessing with their words in a way that people today seem to ignore. Now, unfortunately, we're kind of stuck in what I described in, described in Sunday school this morning. We're past the silly season of politics, and things are really going in earnest now. I mean, the candidates are tearing at each other at left and right, front and center, and so forth. And the more words we hear from either way, really, the more disgusted we get. But words shouldn't disgust us. Words shouldn't destroy. Words should encourage And words should build up and bless. And that's what Scripture calls out for us to do, especially in the passages today. Now, as we read, read this passage here, we see wisdom calling out really to three kinds of people. Three kinds of people who really need wisdom in their lives. And unfortunately... We all have these kinds of people in our lives. It seems that no matter how much you try to put yourself in a certain place and keep your, you know, choose your friends and everything, everybody winds up with these people in our lives. First off, the simple ones. The Hebrew for the simple here pretty much describes those that we know. These are the folks, they don't know squat. They don't know anything at all. And to make matters worse, they believe anything you tell them. Back several years ago when I was working at the credit union at Adopted School, we had some kids in from the, from the, the, the schools that we had adopted. And oh my stars, you want to talk about a lethal combination. One of these kids, first off, she was cute, but she was the most gullible child I've ever met in my life. Now I'm here to tell you, cute and gullible is a lethal combination. And she said, oh, I don't read anything. I just believe anything anybody tells me. That's simple, okay? These are the folks, if I tell them, hey, the, no, no, hey, the 18-wheeler just pulled up, out the, pulled up outside and, it's, and it's full of money. All you have to do is dive out the door and the first person out the door is going to get, get, get a truckload of money. You know what? The simple are the first ones out the door. You'll never catch them. Uh, they'll believe that no, if, if, somebody tell, if somebody tells them it's raining cats and dogs, they go outside with a leash. Not that kind of people. We all have them in our lives. They're simple. They don't know anything. And to make matters worse, they don't know that they don't know anything. But the way wise say here, how long will you love being simple? These folks, if any of the three have a shot at getting past, their, past what, the, what they, they suffer from, these are the folks that do. Because every once in a while, the simple will come to understand, you know what? I don't want to be this way anymore. And they'll start to put forth the effort to gain knowledge. And the more they and the more they'll learn, the less simple they'll become. If anybody has any hope, these are the ones. But then you have the second group here, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And in the Hebrew way in the Hebrew words that words here, the scoffers are these folks, they're the know-it-alls. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what topic. We can be discussing Alabama football, folks. They know everything. Matter of fact, they could replace Nick Saban. We could be discussing theoretical physics, 
Doesn't matter that they don't know jack about theoretical physics. They'll do their best to convince you they do. It doesn't matter what the topic. These people know everything there is. And, and, and uh, I don't know if any of y'all read Dilbert or not. There's this, this guy in Dilbert, the one-upper. Now, if, if, you, if, you've got gone, if you've gone hiking somewhere and you're talking about a delightful hiking trip over the weekend, well, I've hiked the entire Appalachian Trail forwards and backwards about four times. You know, people like that, they're the scoffers. It doesn't matter what it is, they're going to up you in some way or other. And to make matters worse, you can't tell them anything. They already know it all. And because they know it all, you can't teach them because they refuse to listen. They're arrogant. And to make matters worse, you have a bad, uh, no, no, a bad day when the simple become impressed with the scoffer. Because then the simple thinks, hey, this guy really knows everything. And next thing you know, the simple is led astray by these people. So how long will the simples love being simple? How long will the scoffers delight in their scoffing? And then how long will the fools hate knowledge? These are the folks that don't know anything. And even worse, they don't want to know anything. They're happy not knowing anything. Because if they learn something, they know, hey, let me tell you something about knowledge. Knowledge brings responsibility. Okay? If you know something, you have to do something with the knowledge. And fools don't want to do anything. They don't want, to, they don't want you to, to tell them how to fix something because then they'll have to fix it themselves. They don't want you to tell them how to, how to do something because then they might have to do it themselves. Have you ever gotten stuck on the job with somebody like that? They don't want to learn anything because the moment they do, oh my stars, you might expect something out of them. We all have people like that in our lives. But here's the reality. God didn't create us for that. He created us to enjoy life. He created us to enjoy the blessings of life. And the simple never have anything to contribute to a, to a conversation because they don't know anything. The scoffer is going to say something that's not worth hearing and will lead you astray if, you're, if, you're, if you're, you fall for it. And the fool, well, the fool is going to blow the whole thing off and say there's no point in it anyway. And their words are poison. As the old saying goes from Lord of the Rings, no, Grima Worm Tongue, your words are poison. Well, let me tell you, these people speak poison. Everything they say will bring somebody down. They're never going to have anything, to, any way of blessing anybody because they don't have anything to contribute that's wise to anything. And wisdom here says, if you will turn at my reproof. Here's something to keep in mind, folks. Believe it or not, God loves the simple, the scoffer, and the fool as much as he does everybody else. Wisdom still calls out to these people. God still calls out to these people, even though they may completely ignore, or even worse, willfully choose to, choose to despise what God says. God still calls out to them, if you turn at my reproof. And then he says, here's what will happen. I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words known to you. Oh my, do you realize that the words of Scripture truly do give us words of life. How many of us know that song? Sing them, over, tell, no, sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. You see, there is life in the Scriptures. And when it comes down to it, the greatest word that you can ever see 
as St. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus himself is the word of wisdom. Jesus himself is the word of life. When Jesus speaks, then life, life comes forth. And those that will reject him, as the Gospels make very clear, uh, that, that they reject him at their own peril because they refuse to accept his words of blessing. They refuse to accept his words of correction. They refuse to accept his words of guidance. And in so doing, they prove themselves to be either simple scoffers or fools. With the usual results, how many of us have ever seen a know-it-all really accomplish anything worth bragging about? How many of us have ever seen the simple achieve anything before somebody finally, until somebody finally hammered some sense into them? How many of us ever saw the fools even, even attempt to accomplish anything? But on the other hand, God still calls out. The Word was made flesh and dwells among us. And the Word continues to speak to us. And what it comes down to with some of these people, as I said, the simple have the best shot at all because every once in a while a simple person will realize I don't know anything and will humble himself down enough to ask somebody for help. And it comes down to this. You can't uh, escape these three categories if you don't humble yourself down enough to admit you need somebody to explain something to you. You need somebody to help you. And it does, uh, does come down to this. You can't really escape these three categories until you humble yourself down enough to realize that you need Jesus. Because if you don't have the Word of God... You don't have anything. And you may fake it for a while. And some folks manage to bumble through life and fake it pretty well. But eventually, as Scripture tells us, calamity will result. Calamity, terror, whirlwind, distress, anguish, it all comes on those whose words will not show wisdom and who is even worse, will not accept words of wisdom, will not accept those words of life that Scripture tells us about, will not accept the teachings of Scripture. And because they refuse to accept the teachings of Scripture, one day the ultimate calamity will befall them. Eternal judgment will take them. And I believe as you see this passage here, and then you combine it with what St. Saint, Saint James told us earlier in the Scripture reading, you begin to understand something of the power of words. You begin to understand what St. James said. Uh, uh, how many of you, did anybody else see this picture this week? There's some guy somewhere or other, I don't even know where. I just saw the picture and thought, the, thought it wasn't worth reading, except for the fact that some fella has worked out big time, and he has biceps that look like Popeye's. I mean, they're out to here. They're bigger than my. They're, they're big, bigger than my body. Okay. And you think, wow, that guy's really strong. He's really powerful. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how strong or powerful somebody is physically. Have you ever noticed how the wrong word can crush them? St. James tells us it doesn't matter if you've got biceps out to here. The tongue is the most powerful muscle you've got. 
I have seen the smallest people devastate giants with their tongues. On the other hand, I have seen some of the most powerful people I've ever known. Look at someone who thought, I'm beneath him. And the most powerful can uplift and encourage the weak. And when we start looking at the totality of Scripture, we begin to understand both the danger of foolishness and unwise words. And we also begin to see the advantage of blessing people. Once again, God created us for a covenant relationship with Him. He created us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And when we confess Jesus is Lord, believing God raised Him from the dead, He accepts us into His family. He blesses us with His Word. He blesses us by bringing us together in a congregation so we can uplift and encourage one another. I promise you, if you take a bunch of Christians and put them out in the middle of nowhere just one at a time, sooner or later something will happen that will bring everything crashing down. Doesn't affect your salvation, but it's still going to happen. But you put Christians together, as Solomon will go on to write in Ecclesiastes, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And it does come down to the fact that, that, that as we come together, we lift each other up with our words. We encourage each other with our words. We bless people with our words. And as we go out of here, I really believe that we go into a, we go into a world full of words nowadays. Oh, gosh, so full of words. It's bad enough that some of them, uh, that, that some of them are going to come up with their own stuff to say. But, but I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Have you, it's even worse nowadays because people can start writing even before they have the facts. Have you noticed that? They don't take time to get the facts anymore. They just start writing anyway and speaking anyway. And their words fill the airwaves and their words fill the Internet. And so many times their words bring other people down. Christians, as James says, this ought not so to be. There's your King James for the day. Instead, our words should bring people to the eternal Word of God. Our words should bless. Our words should uplift. And our words should encourage. And I really do believe, as much as anything, that's where the breaker comes in. I've known people, unfortunately I'm pretty sure you've known people too, they just don't have that breaker between their brain and their, and their tongues. It's not there. I don't have a clue why it's not there, but somehow it's not. The first thing that hits their mind, that hit, hits their mind that's going to come out of their mouth. That's why as Christians, the first thing that should hit our mind should be words of blessing in Scripture. No, I keep telling you it's a good thing to memorize Scripture. How many of you memorized Jesus wept a couple of weeks ago? Okay. Uh, pray without ceasing. You got that one in your head yet? Well, uh, there's so many words of Scripture. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God change your mind. Now, I know for a lot of us, that's a difficult thing. Because quite honestly, a lot of folks had rather go blissfully through life 
and they'd rather just keep their mind as it is. Because I'm going to tell you, from personal experience, changing your mind requires a lot of work. It requires watching what you read, watching what you see, watching what, 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 what you do, and it requires effort. It requires an assumption of responsibility, and a lot of folks just don't want to do that. I don't think Christians have the option. I think Christians must seek to transform our minds. Christians must allow the Holy Spirit to work within us and to guide us as He transforms us. And Christians must serve as avenues of blessing to everybody we see in the classroom, on the job, in our homes, in our communities, or anywhere. You want to change the world? Speak blessing to people. Speak in a way that blesses them. And have you ever noticed how you really want to stay around the people that uplift you? Have you ever noticed how you really want to remain? uh, No, you want to linger in those places where people are lifting you up with what they say. That you understand that what they say will make you a better person. You want to be with people like that, don't you? Well, guess what? We've got a whole congregation of folks that ought to be that way. We should seek wherever we go to be the ones that everybody wants to be around because when they're around us, they don't hear all the negativity. They don't hear all the belittling of somebody else. They don't see a resistance to the Holy Spirit as He works to transform us. Instead, they see the Holy Spirit flowing out through our words and bringing blessing to everybody that we meet. Now, I'll admit, especially in today's world, and especially with all the hullabaloo going on with the politics and all this stuff, uh, speaking positive words today may seem difficult. And for some of us, it'll require some extensive rewiring, or, no, from the other hat, reprogramming. But let me tell you, It's worth it. It's worth it to cry out for the wisdom of Scripture. It's worth it to call out for the wisdom of God. And here's the thing. A lot of people out there want to look for wisdom in all kinds of places, and they're looking to hear the right words. But St. Paul does peg it with this. The wisdom of the world is its foolishness with God. You see, it's through the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. It's through the foolishness of the cross. As the Greeks Greeks saw the cross, preaching of the cross is foolishness. And the Jews saw it as a stumbling block. But for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, God's constantly transforming us. He's constantly working within us. His Word changes us. And as His Word changes us, we should go out and everybody we see should be changed by the words that we speak. How many people will you meet this week? Wherever you go. Some of us go to work and we'll meet somebody. Some of them we've known for a while, some of them we haven't. Some of us will go to school and we'll meet somebody. Maybe it's somebody that has folded us a few times as the paper doll went. But regardless of whether they folded us or not, we need to speak blessing to them. And look, let's go ahead and admit it. Every one of us is going to be at Walmart this week, right? How many of us, as we go through the line at Walmart, 
will take the opportunity to bless that poor cashier who has already had to see 200 and some odd people because they're not going to open any more lines. So the poor soul is going to see everybody that comes through. And to make matters worse, because they won't open any more lines. Now, the first couple of folks that the folks that poor cashier sees, they're going to be real good and friendly and everything. Hey, how are you doing? Stuff like that. You let about 40 people back. get you know, let, let, let number 41 get up. I'm going to challenge you this week that when you're number 41 or 42 in the line, when you get up there, speak some word that will encourage that person. Tell them that you want them to have a nice day and mean it. Tell them in some way that you appreciate what they're doing. We live in a world that's going to... They're, they're going to hear plenty of negativity all week long. I promise you, a well-chosen word of blessing can change somebody's life. It can make somebody's day. And as we, and as, as we spread out from here today, as we become the church out in the world... Let's be the ones that have the wisdom to seek God and then have the wisdom and the graciousness to let Him speak through us to show other people the power of the eternal Word, Christ Himself, in our lives. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And before you go out from here today, I want to give you words of blessing. I want you to know that God created you for a special purpose. And there's not another person in all of eternity who He created just like you. I want you to know that if you were the only person in the world that required salvation, Jesus would have died and risen again for you. I want you to know as you go out of here today that you are bought with a price and you are not your own. But because you are not your own, Christ will protect and preserve His own. I want you to know as you go out of here, you have blessed me mightily as through your service in this church, through your attendance here, and through your love. And I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that as you go out from here, you go out with the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has bought you with a price and redeemed you so that you may bless the world through His love. Amen.